0: first wrote about the life of Christ. Then he wrote about the life of the church in the book of Acts. So 40 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, he ascended to heaven and gave instructions on advancing the church. 120 people waited, as he instructed them to. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit was given to the church with special signs. That was in chapter 2. Peter preaches and Thousands are added to the church. People are healed through the disciples. Nobody knew that that would really keep going when Jesus was gone. The disciples boldly speak in the temple. Peter and John are drugged before the council and threatened. Chapter 4. The believers pray for more boldness to proclaim the truth. The believers share everything in order to advance the gospel. Ananias and Sapphira lie about their giving and they're struck dead. In chapter 5, fear comes in all. No surprise. And there are more miracles. The apostles are arrested again. Gamaliel warns the council against punishing them, but they're beaten and released. They rejoice and preach even more. Seven helpers are chosen in chapter 6. Stephen, one of those, does many signs and wonders and preaches Christ. The Jews use deception for the first time against the church that we know of. Stephen, Stephen, preaches boldly and is stoned to death. Saul, Paul, later, accepts it as good. And Saul ravages the church. Then we have his future friend Philip's amazing ministry. There's miracles. There's teleportation. Hello? And then what does he do? He preaches the gospel. Saul is then converted. In chapter 9, the Jews almost immediately try to kill him. Peter raises Tabitha from the dead. Peter is taught that Gentiles are to be accepted into the church without adhering to the Old Testament law. That is to say, without becoming Jews. It's in chapter 10. The Gentiles are given the Holy Spirit with special signs and the church grows explosively. A decade has passed now and in spite of all the opposition to the gospel, it has spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. Most all the Jews who would believe are now Christians. All that's left are religious zealots and political power brokers. They are desperate and will take every action they can against the believers. They even enlist Herod Agrippa in their hatred. Herod, the great's grandson father to the Agrippa that we talked about last week. And Peter is now made a prisoner. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people." So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. The Jews just wanted to stop the spread of the gospel. Well, really, they wanted to stamp it out. Herod wanted to take Peter's freedom and use this as a publicity stunt, kind of to boast his numbers in the polls. Why else have 16 soldiers guard him? And why do it right after the Passover when everyone was still there? Herod believed the Jewish rulers could be used to keep the masses in order. He was wrong. And they were wrong. <laughs> because they asked, he killed one of the inner circle of Christ. Imagine the feelings of the church. One of Christ's closest three apostles was killed, murdered. A second was in jail, scheduled for execution. But the church prayed. Well, when things are tough, can we at least pray? Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, and angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter in the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard... They came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Why did God make Peter wait? He was in prison for days. Why do we have to wait? How in the world could he be sleeping? (laughs) Uh, What took him so long to realize it was not just a spiritual vision, but a physical reality? Think of the miraculous steps in gaining Peter's physical freedom. The angel. Wow. Peter had seen angels before. The light. Peter was at the transfiguration. You won't see it brighter than that. The chains just falling off. Well, Peter had seen the chains of death broken. The guards he was chained to didn't wake up. Like the guards of Jesus too. The sentries didn't notice him. The guards at two stations just let him walk by. And the gate opened by itself well here's an interesting question why didn't God just teleport him like he did Philip Skeet him out of there the answer is obviously this is the best way to spread the gospel but why why is that the best way well back to our first questions how could Peter sleep He really lived by Jesus' words, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Why did it take him so long to figure it out? I think Peter was so attuned to the spiritual that he almost forgot the physical. (laughs) So why was it better to spread the gospel this way? Well, it has to do with the people in the church. They needed faith to be freed. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying, presumably for him. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. I'm reminded of John the Baptist's father, Zachariah. He had prayed all his life for his son and when god sent gabriel to tell him he would finally be granted his desire he couldn't believe it <laughs> how could these people be praying for peter and not believe he could be free surely they had prayed for james as well but Herod killed him why did peter Tell them to report this to the other, James, and to the brothers. Why did Peter go to another place? Where did he go? Is it important that John Mark is mentioned? This group did not have the leaders of the local church in it. They didn't have any apostles with them. Uh, Peter may have gone to wherever John was, actually. What this group did have was the attention and care of God on them, like we do, <laughs> us right here. They needed spiritual strengthening, maybe like we do. They believed in Peter's spiritual freedom, but they couldn't translate it to the material Okay, their theology was messed up. They thought Peter had an angel. (laughs) Peter knew the angel was the Lord's. They couldn't believe God for a physical answer to the problem. Do we suffer from the same issues? Our freedom is spiritual first. That's true. But it is also temporal of this earth. God wants us to live out our spiritual freedom through the physical, through life here. Even when it's tough. But what about those who think they're free, but they're actually prisoners? Those who are prisoners without knowing it. Now when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. I would guess not. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. What did those guards think and do on discovering Peter's absence? I don't know. Whatever the case is, the sentries thought Peter was the prisoner and it cost them their lives. And Herod, instead of recognizing the miraculous, figured someone was lying. (laughs) And the one ordering their executions thought he was free. Indeed, he thought he was in charge, like really in charge. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give, him, give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Note that a spiritual being struck him that resulted in a physical malady. The spiritual touching the physical. Why is this important? There are those who are prisoners of their own sins. They seem not to know that they are, but they are. For Herod... It was over that day, and for everyone, one day, it really will be finally over. The sun, S-O-N, will rise. The spiritual and the physical will merge. This is where we want to start slowing down, although that's been pretty fast. Listen to what the angel told John about that day what the risen and glorified Jesus said, and how John responded, Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That day, the sunrise, will be wonderful for all of us who have washed their robes in the blood of Jesus those of us who have a personal relationship with the eternal risen Son of the living God. But it will be terrible for those who refuse this gift. We need to get back to earth here. So what happened back then when they, the people who Peter went to when he was freed, finally understood that the physical reflects the spiritual? that the two are inextricably linked. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. The end result of James' execution and Peter's imprisonment, the gospel is spread even more. John Mark is brought into service. Thinking carefully and slowly, how do we manage the physical in light of the spiritual? How do we recognize our true freedom? How do we be in but not of this world? We find out from the Apostle Paul through one of his letters, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By the careful study and application of God's Word, we can know what His will is. We can know the will of God. Wow! We can live our physical lives in freedom in a way that reflects our spiritual freedom. And really <laughs> are we are we really convinced of this, or is maybe maybe the weight of our many sins too great for us to overcome? Would it help you to know that Jesus Jesus prayed for you, you specifically for you? Let these words of jesus' prayer. On the night he was betrayed, sink into your soul. He's in the middle of praying to the Father, specifically for the eleven apostles that were with him, where we pick it up. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them... For these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Hmm. We can be one with Jesus, with the Father, with each other. With the whole church corporate, they call it, the the invisible church, the church of Jesus Christ in all the different denominations and all the different nations and all the different languages all over the world. One. To continue. There are two kinds of freedom that we enjoy. The temporal, the physical here, and the spiritual, which is eternal. It's a spiritual that ultimately matters. But the physical should be a reflection of it. And in the new creation it will be. Wait till you see your new body. You'll be astonished yourself. We want every person to have this freedom. Remember what the angel said about how things will eventually, on that day, they'll be fixed. People will be what they will be eternally. And there won't be any chance of change at that point. And Jesus said He's coming soon and will repay everyone for what they have done unless they've been washed in the blood of Jesus. John said all those whose robes are washed have the right to the tree of life. They have the right to eternal life. Remember, Those whose physical lives reflect spiritual death, they don't. Listen to the very next words. Right after that, John recorded these. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. We are the bride, if you didn't know that. And let the one who hears say, Come! And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And how do we take this water of life? Admit you need it. Believe Jesus can and will save you. Commit your life to Him. How do we tell thirsty people, people get tired of this life, How do we tell them to come to that which really does satisfy? Admit you need it. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? (laughs) Believe Jesus can and will save you. He did me. Commit your life to Him. Live like a person whose spirit is already being set apart, sanctified in Christ. Live like you're going to live forever. Every other lifestyle promises to satisfy. You know them. But only this one can. Admit you need it. Believe Jesus can and will save you. Commit your life to Him. That's it. That's all we got to say. And it's the plan God had from the beginning, by the way. So give your whole self. We need to give our whole selves together as one and individually to Christ. And you will be free eternally. That's what we have to tell people. Spiritually and physically. And trust me, you'll know it then. The two will tie together beautifully. Father, thank you that we can know that we are free. We don't have to wonder if we're free. We don't have to think we're in a spirit world and wonder if it's just a vision. We can know we are free. Here and now, in some way, even in this world, we have a freedom. In the spiritual world, we have the ultimate freedom. And one day, one day that will be realized and all the pain, all everything else will be gone. It will all be behind us. And we'll never see it again we would like those that we know to be there we would like this little church to continue to be here to help people know that Jesus Christ is the answer if any town needs Jesus Christ this one does if any area needs Jesus Christ certainly this is it Lord help us to find one person even this week that we can show your love to We can help them to see it. And we can say, you know, maybe you should admit. (laughs) Maybe you should admit that it's not okay. You're not alright. Maybe you should believe that Jesus really does care about you. He is risen from the dead. And He cares about you. And Maybe then you will commit your life to Him. Eh, not perfectly. We're not there yet. (laughs) But we can be. And one day we will be. Help us somehow, Lord, to find someone we can just share the simple ABCs with. And then uh, give us the boldness to do so because it's not an easy task. Satan certainly stands up against us every time we try to do it. So thank you, Father, for your help. Thank you for this little church and the many people over the years and years, decades that this church has been here. It has helped so many people. Pray that you would help us to make a difference. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us, maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at SouthBeachHope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person. If not in Westport, at least in the rapture.